Thank you so much, choir and Dee. And, uh, let's take our Bibles, if we would, this uh, morning, and let's turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. As we continue this series, join the journey. And we indeed want you to join it in a couple of different ways. It's, a, it's an encouragement to uh, join the journey of your spiritual growth as a part of this process we're talking about, but it's also a command to join others, everyday people that you run into contact with, and, and to come alongside of them and encourage them, have gospel conversations. So it's, it's an inward uh, invitation to join, and it's an outward encouragement to join others out there because they're not running to the churches anymore. Uh, I remember when 9-11 happened 20 years ago, uh, I, I'll never forget the the dependent <laughs> desperation I had that first Sunday morning, right after 9-11, to bring a word from the Lord. I'll never forget that feeling. And I'll never forget um, the, the, the church was packed. Something about that event, and I think we all looking back on it yesterday, it's hard for us to not have that day seared into our minds and into our hearts what we experienced that day uh, was devastating. And I'm going to pray in just a moment. We'll pray for those who still suffer loss from that. And we as a nation have suffered uh, tremendous loss. And, but, but from a pastoral standpoint, from a church perspective, in a way that tragedy drew our country together. That trial pulled everyone together. It created a, basically a common need, which was we need to rescue people, we need to um, take up money and support the survivors, we need to encourage uh, those who have been devastated by this in Washington, D.C. and in uh, New York City. I was sitting with one of our church members the other day, having breakfast, had no idea he was he had a meeting that morning in the brand new ops room of the Pentagon right where the, the plane hit the Pentagon and they just the night before changed the meeting location. And there are many stories like that. So we, we, we look at that and it's hard to, hard to ever forget that. But I, I think of it in terms of how that common need and that common enemy brought us together. And the towers fell... Well, here's been my burden, is now we're under another test and another trial. But we're not coming together. We're being torn apart. This, this pandemic, this political scene, the political controversies, the medical controversies, instead of drawing us together as a nation, it is dividing us, isn't it? I've heard multiple church members through tears talk about how divided the church is. Not just this church, but I think the entire body of Christ divided over these issues. You know why the towers fell? It's not the impact of the plane, it's that the fuel and all of it melted the connection. It melted the infrastructure that held it all together. 
Towers didn't fall because the planes were heavy and because they, they hit the building and knocked them over. What, these, bells, these, these buildings fell under, the weight, under their own weight when their internal connective structures melted. Here's my, here's my heart. I can understand the internal structures and connections of a secular country falling apart. I can understand that. But the church's internal connections cannot fall apart. They can't fall apart. We cannot allow the enemy to use the divisiveness of these issues to break the connections and the ties that bind. We can't let that happen. One of the ways I would encourage you to not let that happen is not spend so much time on social media. I would really encourage you to balance it out and not get into the rabbit holes and the diff- different things that all of our media will, will draw you into. And it, it, it wires you up and it pumps you up and it gets you fired up. And sometimes there are legitimate reasons to be fired up and there are legitimate arguments that need to be made and we need to be a part of what we need to do. But we cannot allow it to become a division in the body of Christ. We must love one another. And we love one another. We don't shame one another. We love one another. And this... This internal structure is exactly what Peter was concerned about in this passage. He knew that the the, the Roman Christians and the Christians that had been scattered around this empire, and this is decades after he saw this incredible moment, the day of Pentecost, when when this church was born by uh, the fire of the Holy Spirit, and people came out and were were growing, and they, they met together day in and day out. Immediately, you see what? What Christ always does is create community. He always creates community. The Spirit always creates connections and community. Christianity is meant to be lived in community. And so Christ drew them together, and now now they're starting to build churches around the Roman Empire and all of these things. And in, in, in 1 Peter he, he says uh, in verse 11 and 12 of chapter 4, he says, Don't be surprised by the fiery trials that you're going to face. You're going to face persecution, internally, externally. Don't be surprised by that. We should not be surprised, church, that we are facing challenges. And I think it's going to get worse. I think there are things being uh, pumped out by the federal government. They're being challenged. They're, they're putting out mandates. The worst thing you can do to an American is tell them what to do. Then you better put some sugar with that. You got to figure out how to how to how to cross these barriers. It's like my kids, you know. I mean, they were they knew when I was trying to trick them into eating their broccoli, right? And so it, we re, we we will naturally resist some of those things. And so I think there will be lots of reasons to for for us as a nation and for us to potentially be divided. And so I want to encourage you today out of God's Word. From, I think this passage from the Apostle Peter is encouraging uh, the church in the middle of the tests, the trials, the storms, the fires that they're going to face, uh, how to stay connected. How do we keep the connections? Because we can be battered and torn, but if we keep our connections, 
connected to life groups, connected to worship, connected to one another through love, I think you will see that that is the key to glorifying God and to remaining a church that brings light, a church that brings truth, a church that uh, uh, stands. It's kind of neat to see the story, some of them yesterday, a little St. Paul's Chapel. You know the story? Did you see it yesterday? That little church that was right by the Twin Towers. And when all the dust settled, it was the little church that stood. The little church that stood. What holds our connections together? Well, in this passage, let's read it together. I think you'll see several of these things. It says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, in these trial, tumultuous, stressful times, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers, what? A multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, speak the orals, speak as if oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to do what? To test you as though something strange were happening to you. The end is near, he says. But rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's suffering, that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Let's pray together. Father, as we bow our heads and our hearts, we just express thanksgiving for the first responders and all of those who ran towards the, the towering inferno. The, the collapsed buildings, the broken down walls of the Pentagon, the terrible scenes of tragedy 20 years ago. I just thank you for those who, who gave their lives, who sacrificed so much. And I know there are families yesterday and today across our land that were directly impacted by that. We just lift them up for comfort. But God, I believe now in so many ways the church is ground zero. That, God, we need to be very vigilant in our prayer and vigilant in our love as we enter into times that may be even more fiery and more challenging. God, we don't know. We ask for your mercy and your grace as we move forward and for your peace. And, Father, may we be that little chapel that stands no matter what. May we be that body of Christ that our love covers the multitudes of our sins the things that we do and say. And God, help us to be wise as we open up your word today, as we look through Peter's challenge to the church there, may we see how it applies to us today. And may it ultimately be, as Peter says here, God, it is for your glory. It is for your glory and the name of Jesus Christ that we want to do well in times of storm. And we ask this together in Jesus' name. Amen. One commentator said about this, passage he said in the church where there is a lack of love and common purpose and where the spiritual lifeline of communication to God is broken 
The forces of opposition will weaken and eventually destroy the church. In these verses, Peter emphasizes how crucial it is that local churches be strong in fellowship with firm links of life and loyalty between the members and also between the members and God. I think that's a great summary statement of this potential passage. We are designed to stay connected. Uh, I've used this illustration before, so I won't, I won't draw it out, but it was really neat to see personally what I'd read about, seen on TV, and even used as a sermon illustration, and that were these giant trees out in California. Sarah and I were able to take the little trip and go see the redwoods. How many of you have seen the sequoias or the redwoods out there? It's just magnificent. It's just you can't, you can't really, you have to see it in person. And uh, uh, Peter had seen the sequoias grow in Acts chapter 2. He saw that God brought people into the grove of Christianity, the grove of the churches, and he saw them mature and grow. And now he's saying, listen, y'all need to come back together. And, and what you know about these, uh, uh, the secret to these incredibly tall trees is not necessarily their massive weight or their massive height. It's their root system. It's their connection. And you would imagine a tree that's 300 feet tall and weighs 110 million pounds or whatever it is. They don't quote that. But anyway, uh, that weighs a lot. You would think the secret to this would be the strength of the tree or the depth of the roots. Their roots are only like six feet deep. They don't even have a tap root. But they have, it's their roots that go out to their neighbors. Their roots can go like two or three hundred feet left or right of the tree. And these, uh, these great mammoth trees live thousands of years because of the connection to their neighbor. They receive nutrients from the other trees. The trees are so tall, they capture the mists that come off the ocean and produce the rain that they need at their roots. In, in their grove, in their connection to one another, is their strength. Is the secret to their longevity, their height, and their resistance even to insects, their resistance to fire. The fire actually helps these trees. It goes through and it burns out the underbrush and makes a perfect place for them to have seedlings that will pop up. And so for you and for I, and I think for the Apostle Peter, he knows that the, the secret to these Christians surviving the storms is not just doctrinal purity. It's not just going to your room and study the Bible. That's all important. He, he, he goes to their connections. He goes to their relationships. He sees those connections as the infrastructure for survival. It is in the, the sequoias, and it is in the church. And so I will encourage you to make and keep and fight for those connections to other believers. Look how he approaches it he does an interesting thing here in verse 7 he begins by giving a perspective a perspective to keep in the storm look what he says he says the end of all things is at hand therefore here's your commands be self-controlled be sober-minded but to be self-controlled and to be sober-minded in the midst of the storm you have to maintain a biblical 
perspective on life. That's the real challenge, isn't it? To maintain a biblical proper perspective on reality in the midst of the storm. How many of you love the Tower of Terror at Disney World? Anybody been on that? Mostly young people are waving their hands, but if you haven't been on the Tower of Terror, it's an elevator, and they put about 20, 30 people in the elevator, and they take you up in this tower, and they sling you up and down, and you stop, and you drop, and, and all of this, but the terrifying thing about the Tower of Terror is perspective. They turn the lights off, it's dark, and then all of a sudden, it'll stop, and they'll open the window, and it's like light comes in, and you look out, and you see where you are, then boom, you're gone again. Terror. Because you lose that sense of, where am I? What's going on? And so Peter says, listen, you're going to face a trial. One thing you need to understand, don't lose this perspective. The end is near. The second coming of Christ is near. You say, well, they've been saying that a long time now. (laughs) They've been saying that I've been expecting Jesus for a long time, and he hadn't come. Good. That's exactly what the Bible wants us to do. He wants us to never have a moment in life where we are not expectant of the accountability we will all face. Um. Whenever my wife makes a trip away, two or three days or something like that, we've had kids, we have the kids in the house, I, I thank the Lord for find a friend and 360, life 360. If y'all don't know what I'm talking about, this is, this is an app you can get that will track your family wherever they are. You know why I love that? I can tell right when she's going to get back. So, if I have an assignment, I can wait to the very last moment. I can see she's an hour out from, you know I'm better than this. I'm just making this up for sermons. I promise I don't do this. She's an hour out. Now I got an hour to make sure I got the house perfect. So I make sure all the dishes and all that, get all that and make the bed, all that kind of stuff. I'm not that bad, but I do kind of watch. It's kind of nice. But before Life 360, before that ability, I, had, I just had the, I just kind of knew the day, maybe the hour. But see, God wants his people not, he didn't give us the day nor the hour. He just gave us this statement, be ready, the end is near. And that is, not, that is to inspire two things. One is hope. We're so grateful for that in the fiery trial. But the other is, this is a test And we're going to face the God who set us free, filled us with His Spirit, gave us strength and peace and hope. If He came right now, what condition would He find you in? Emotionally. In your peace. In your love for your neighbor. He's about to tell them, love one another earnestly. But before He does that, He says, keep this perspective. You're going to meet pretty soon, any day now, the one who has loved you most. And the one who said, of all the commandments, the one I want you to remember Love one another. So he says, remember. He's almost here. He's almost here. 
So we, meet, we need to maintain a proper perspective on life. And notice when, when Jesus comes to us, he's not coming to our home. He's, he's going to make a new home. This is, we're just passing through. And so a good biblical perspective on life just sets us free from the worry of the consequences and other conditions of this world. We, we can be released from some of those things. They don't determine all of our joy. They will affect our happiness, but they don't determine the, the basis of our joy and our hope and our peace. We, we understand God is in control and, and Jesus is coming back. So we've got to maintain this perspective in order to do what he tells us to do here. And the first word that he tells us to do is he says... Um, in verse 7, be self-controlled. I love this uh, Greek word, sophroneo. If you look that up in the Greek dictionaries, it says to be under control and not be carried away by an errant view of oneself or carried away by undue emotion or uncontrolled passion. A lot of people nowadays need some self-control, amen? We are being carried away sometimes by uncontrolled emotion, uncontrolled passion. He says, the end is near. Don't let that happen. Don't lose control of your mind, your emotion, your passion. doesn't mean that you don't have emotions or have passions. And it, it's not fatalistic. It doesn't mean that you don't activate into the world around you to make things better. It just means that as Christians with a biblical worldview and understanding uh, and perspective of life, you don't lose your mind in the midst of a storm. You don't lose it. It's the great characteristic of sanity is seeing things in their proper proportion, in their proper perspective. Then he uses another word. He says, don't just lose your control of your mind, self-control, but also the clarity of your judgment. He uses another word in verse 7. It says, be sober-minded. It could also, it has the idea of making good judgments Clarity in your judgments. Holy living requires spiritual alertness. Sober spirit is what it, what it says here. Meaning sound judgment. Spiritually observant. You hear what Peter is saying? Just because Christ has this under control with the right perspective, maintain the clarity of your judgment. Maintain the control of your mind. And then he adds this. It's pretty powerful. For the sake of your prayers. Because what happens a lot of times in the storms of life, the trials of life, is, is we break our communication with the Father. With, we break our communication with the Lord. We stop praying and we start panicking. And so you can hear the apostle looking at this church, and he says, oh, listen, I, don't be surprised. There's going to be some tough times, and it may get tougher. Maintain a biblical perspective for the sake of prayer, for the sake of your inner peace and control of your mind and clarity of judgment. But he also goes on to say you've got to have a, a perseverance in the storm, a perseverance of the storm. And we see that in the quality of these next verbs that he uses in the text Look what he says in verse 8. He uses this term. He says, above all. Above all. Because of the strategy of the enemy to penetrate, 
to the infrastructure and connections and the bonds that tie believers together, He wants to melt those. If He can get us to unlock our arms, if He can get us to let go of each other, if He can break those relationships, oh, listen, it can collapse. And in verse 4 to 8, He says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. I can't tell you how strong that statement is. Uh, and, and the emphasis that he puts on that, it's a participle, a present participle. And he says, you just continually keep loving one another. And he says, do so uh, ectene, earnestly, which means straining of the neck. <laughs> so, in, in, And why does he say this? Because he knows in tough times, in trials, when we're in storms, we... We're going, it's going to challenge our marriage relationships. It's going to challenge our church relationships. It's going to challenge our relationships out in the community. And as we face the storms of today, it's going to take effort. And you're going to have to put forth extra effort to keep loving one another. Above all. And here, here's, he gives a reason why. Because in the storms, we mess up. We get mad. We get angry. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. We sin, and he says, love will not take advantage of those sins to become angrier and to expose and shame and humiliate and uh, uh, get revenge. All of these fleshly tendencies when someone... Uh, angers us or messes up in the body of Christ, when we, when we get like that, our natural flesh reaction is to do the wrong thing. And he says, but if you are, you are focused on loving one another earnestly, instead of uh, pushing that sin out and the consequences of that sin and, and just you cover it and you forgive it, you deal with it personally, not publicly. And so you draw them in. Keep loving one another earnestly because that kind of love, when they see the connection beginning to melt because of the stress and strain of the situation, they reach out with love and they, they cover it for the sake of the church and for the sake of the brother or sister. They reach out and they try to heal that in unity. Y'all are kind of quiet. Am I making sense this morning? So we keep loving one another earnestly. Second of all, we must keep giving hospitality joyfully. Look at verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Why would he add without grumbling? Because in tough times, we withdraw. We, when tough times, we kind of uh, pull in our stuff and our giving and, and hospitality in that day, you should be glad you live the way we do. We have hotels and stuff nowadays. Back then, they just kind of knock on your door, show up. Hey, I'm a brother from Corinth. You mind if I stay a couple of days? Well, sure. The word means really stranger care, hospitality. He says, in tough times, you're going to want to withdraw. In tough times, you're not going to want to love your neighbor like you should. You're in tough times, you're going to kind of think mainly about yourself and your own needs. And he says, don't stop during the tough times. Keep loving strangers. 
Keep loving your neighbor. Keep loving those who need you. Keep giving. So show hospitality to one another. Can you imagine in the middle of the storm, you've got these, this 2,000-year-old sequoia, and he, he looks down and he says, I need to pull all my roots back just so I can make it through the storm. That's not how it works. He's 2,000 years old, or she's 2,000 years old, standing in the winds and the storms of California because their neighbors didn't stop showing hospitality and loving and supplying and encouraging. Stay strong. And then he goes on. I think this is so amazing. He says, keep loving earnestly, keep showing hospitality joyfully without grumbling. And then he turns and he says, and keep serving in your giftedness. Faithfully, verse 10, each as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks, oracles of God, whoever serves, all of us are to be deacons. It says right there, that word serves. Uh, All of us are serving as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him Uh, uh, belong glory and dominion forever and ever and so during the times of of a storm the grove of christianity the grove of a local church should be a place where god is actually glorified because they see a group of people that are continuously earnestly loving one another and covering the sins uh and they see people who are showing hospitality you know it's the day and time says just pull it in for yourself, and people who just keep serving the body of Christ however they possibly can faithfully during those times. As I was sharing this story, I can think of dozens of stories, great examples of that over the last two years in this body. I think we've done well as a church through this difficult time, and I will tell you, uh, the decisions... Uh, that we've had to make as a staff and I, decisions I've had to make as a pastor are some of the toughest I've ever made. And it wasn't uh, because uh, you just knew it's going to be a challenge for one person, for this person, for that person. And there weren't always right answers. <laughs> there, are always, there weren't always right answers that were obvious. And you know when there aren't right answers and we're doing the best we can, that's when love and grace really matter, isn't it? And we come together. So keep serving the church faithfully. And what's our purpose? What's our purpose we must maintain? Well, it says it. The glory and the dominion of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose during this difficult time. So here's my two applications to you. As times are tough and as the storms go, if you're not connected, get connected. Get connected. Connect to a life group. You need them and they need you. And then some of you have been connected to a life group and it's time... You know, you, you, you've kind of disconnected, reconnect. Connect to a life group. And second of all, stay connected. No matter what. Fight for it. You say, well, you just don't understand. I'm, 
I've been offended by this. I've been, I don't like the way this is being done. I, I, I'm struggling with this. That's because you're going through a trial. Peter saw that way back then. That's nothing new. And when the apostles saw the trials and the struggles coming to the church, he said, oh, now here's the time. The enemy's going to use it as a strategy to melt the connections. Don't disconnect. Stay connected. Love one another earnestly. Show hospitality joyfully. Maintain perspective. Maintain your purpose. And serve. I'm so glad that Jesus made a promise, aren't you? That he looked at Peter, the same Peter, and he said a couple of things that really changed his life. He looked at the apostle Peter, and Peter was saying, how many times do you want me to forgive these guys? Or for the people that offend me? And Jesus said, well, seven times. Then you're done. That's not what he said. He said, Peter, in your role as a Christian, you're going to have to continuously find ways to forgive and love because there's going to be trials and trials and trials that are coming your way. And then he also said something to Peter that brings me great comfort. He said, on this rock, Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. what I was reading about that little St. Paul chapel is that one of the reasons that it wasn't destroyed at that moment, the collapse, is that a hundred-year-old sycamore tree fell over on part of the roof. And one of these uh, steel girders or beams started heading that way and it hit the tree. And the tree protected the church. You know why our church is going to stand? Because we're under the tree, the cross. We're under the cross. And when you're, if you're not under the cross, the judgment of God will come upon you. But under the cross, under the cross, we can have peace. We can have perspective we can live out our purpose and fulfill God's potential for us let's pray together with every head bowed and just a time of reflection this morning a time of uh, commitment can I just say this I think I've had to do this, and maybe some of you might want to think about doing it, is just protect your, your mind during these difficult times. If you are overdosing daily on social media, overdosing on news, overdosing, you need to have a certain amount of it. But if you overdose on it, you, you take too much, it will, it will uh, loosen the control of your thinking. You can, it can disturb your judgment. And I just, I just pray this over you today and over myself, that God will give us great clarity of judgment moving forward.
in the midst of the storm. Just pray that. Pray that for your neighbor. Pray that for your pastor. Pray that for uh, your church. That we would have a sober judgment, clarity of judgment, peace and control in our hearts and minds. And and maybe you're here this morning and, and you've not made the connection to a small group. And I know it's a challenge. You'll have to make it, make it and plan it and try some different groups. And it will take a little time to really feel those relational connections in there. But you know it's going to be worth it. That connection, the small group connection at Westside, it is our infrastructure. It's what holds us together. I encourage you to connect to a small group. But most of all, if you're here today and you're not under the cross, you've never come to Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's your first step this morning. If you're not under the tree, if you're not under the cross, if you've not trusted Christ to die for you on the cross and give you forgiveness of your sins, you are exposed to the judgment of God forever. And I just pray you'll turn to Him this morning. Turn to Christ in faith and He will forgive you. He'll give you eternal life and He'll never take it away. In a moment I'm going to pray. But there will be prayer partners on my left and on my right. They have yellow badges on. And I would love it if you need some folks just to pray for peace of mind and peace of heart in you. They would love to pray for you. If you've just trusted Christ and want to talk about how to pray and, and how, to, how to follow Christ, you want to make those first steps, you do so. You come and talk to some of these folks and let them help you. If you want to join our fellowship, we encourage you. Talk to a prayer partner right after this service. Father, thank you so much for your word that is so applicable. Peter just had such concern that the church be strong through trials. And, and we know that connections make the difference. Help us, God, stay connected, get connected in a way that would honor and glorify you. We ask together in Jesus' name, amen.